Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Elixir Mix. This week, we're talking to our good friend, Adi. Hello. We also have Alan Waima. Hello from Hong Kong. And Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And this week, we are talking to Kelsey Leftwich. Howdy. Now, uh, yeah, you mentioned you're from Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And you wrote this blog post about LiveView, which is the coolest thing ever, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, you want to just uh, fill us in on some of the other details, who you are, why you're world famous, all that good stuff? Yeah, uh, my name is Kelsey Leftwich. I, like you said, I live in Shreveport, Louisiana. I've been working for an um, agency called Headway for two years. During that time, I've learned Elixir. Currently, I'm working mostly uh, with Elixir and Phoenix on the back end. But we have been working on some internal projects with Elixir, Phoenix, and LiveView. And this blog post came out of some uh, exploration and discovery in developing some features for that app. Awesome. I remember working my tail off to become a senior developer. I read every book I could get my hands on. I went to any conference I could and watched the videos about the things that I thought I needed to learn. And eventually, I got that senior developer job. And then I realized that the rest of my career looked just like where I was now. I mean, where was the rush I got from learning? What was I supposed to do to keep growing? And then I found it. I got the chance to mentor some developers. I started a podcast and helped many more developers. I did screencasts and helped even more developers. I kind of became a dev hero. And now I want to help you become one too. And if you're looking forward to something more, than doing the same thing at a different job three years from now, then join the Dev Heroes Accelerator. I'll walk you through the process of building and growing a following and finding people that you can uniquely help as you build the next stage of your career. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. Now, the blog post was about building a drag and drop with Phoenix Live View. And drag and drop's been around for a while, right? Mm -hmm. But you put phoenix live view in and i'm just going this is cool right Mm -hmm. so do you kind of want to just walk us through kind of the details here as far as what we're looking at and then we can kind of talk through okay drag and drop and then how live view kind of plays in and and what it means and how how it kind of complicated things yeah definitely so we started the uh application that this blog post idea came out of it's called bird's eye it's a app that consolidates your tasks from different sources. So issues from GitHub, your Trello boards, Jira, places like that. And originally we had made a Elixir Phoenix backend with a React front end. And sometime along the line, um, LiveView gets introduced. And so eventually we decided to convert it just to a LiveView project and get rid of the React piece. Mm -hmm. But the piece that we were really struggling with was these drag and drop interactions. And that's when uh, we realized that we really need to let the client do what the client's best at, which are these client interactions, dragging and dropping. (laughs) And so uh, that's (laughs) how we got introduced to it. And so investigating it, we figured out that basically what you have to do is when you are linking up your like client side JavaScript with, with Phoenix through your sockets, you can go ahead and define hooks. And then through those hooks, when you have events that are on the client side, you can push those events to the back end. And that's how you can have the drag and drop all on the front end, but then the, the server knows about it. Gotcha. So it looks like you're also using Tailwind. Does, does Tailwind help with this at all? Or does it just make it pretty? 
it just makes it pretty. And it's just a, a quick way to throw some styling onto a UI using the utility classes. I think it even uses just like a Tailwind CDN. Okay. Yeah, what I really like about this is like one of the few public examples you will see where you're actually using, you're doing, you're performing an action with JavaScript and then making the call to live view to update the state. Great post to share to anyone who says, Live, you can replace JavaScript. <laughs> yeah. uh, there are places, animations, and stuff that JavaScript does great. Like Kelsey said perfectly, let the client do what it does best. Yes, Live View is great at like rendering, but you don't need the server for drag and drop. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, there's that whole stereotype, or maybe not, maybe a true stereotype that Elixir developers, you know, hate JavaScript and will try to get rid of it at every cost. But when user experience or performance suffers. You know, sometimes it's the best tool for the job, regardless of how you feel about it. I'm, I have a JavaScript background, a React background, so it's not something I'm uncomfortable with using. So to me, it's great to be able to use both for the different applications and the same project. And the Phoenix hooks just make it so easy. Definitely. Gotcha. So, so, so let's hurt everybody's feelings here, though. I mean, let's just go for it, right? So, I mean, how do you make these things draggable then? Because I've always done it with JavaScript, right? I've always just mm -hmm. said, okay, make it move, trigger the events, right? And then, yeah, you know, then it's like, okay, now toss it down the socket, right? Mm -hmm. So so how do you do it without the JavaScript? How would you do it without the JavaScript? Yeah. We weren't able to get it to work without it being like stuttering or have mm -hmm. a lot of stuttering. So I'm not sure how you would do it without Okay, the so you have piece. some JavaScript playing in there. Yeah, there is JavaScript, definitely. Yeah, it's a minimal amount because basically all you have to do is in the app, I mean, sorry, in the blog post, uh, I detail like you define a few callback functions. Actually, I think it's only one, a mounted lifecycle callback. And so when your, your div that's holding your um, drop zones and your draggables, when that mounts, then you're just making calls to sortable, which is a uh, NPM package. And basically, you let Sortable handle all that for you. And then within Sortable, you set some configuration options. And one of those options is on end. So when, basically, when you drop something into a drop zone, and that's where you are pushing an event then back to your live view or your live view component. So there's minimal amounts of JavaScript. And that's right. that's kind of my my thinking around it is people really don't. Uh, there, are, there are some folks who really don't want to use JavaScript, but when it's packaged so nicely like it is in Sortable, and basically, you're just setting up some configuration. Seems pretty painless to me. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you just, I mean, it look, looks pretty simple. But, mm -hmm. yeah, it just kind of, like Adi said, it just kind of reiterates to me kind of the power of live view in that you can kind of bolt these pieces together and then with a minimal amount of effort, pull this in. Yeah, and I think the live view documentation even says something like live view is not a good application for things like animations. So... Mm -hmm. You, they, they say use, well, they point you to their JavaScript integration through hooks, but then they also say, you know, you can use UI components, like what you would get out of Bootstrap. You can use like Alpine. I don't have experience with Alpine, but I want to, I want to dig into that as well. Cause I know a lot of people who aren't as comfortable with JavaScript are reaching for that. Yeah. We have an Alpine yeah. episode coming down the pipe on JavaScript Jabber. So. Oh, awesome. Going to have to check so Alpine JS is really fantastic. I managed to replace basically Bootstrap like modal like i like the way that kind of thing kind of comes in and i managed to replace that with alpine very easily it's great you just mark up the html and you're done so the guy who created alpine js is actually the 
the same guy who created something like Live View within uh, Laravel, I think it was. Oh, neat. I think it's called Laravel, Laravel Hotwire or something. I forgot the name. Yeah, he came out an episode of some other podcast and I heard him talk about it. He worked a lot with Chris to kind of get it working. And it's it's really fantastic. So I was actually just looking up, I'm like, I wonder if Alpine has something similar to Sortable and they actually do have a drag and drop thing. So it's just, you just annotate your HTML with some special tags and you're ready to go. So uh, yeah, I think that, you know, that would actually be pretty, pretty cool to do to see if that could work out pretty well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you're seeing other approaches very similar to this, like the Ruby communities adopted some similar approaches to, to this with stimulus and stuff like that over uh, the channels and uh, action cable, action cable. Yeah. In rails. So, I mean, yeah, a lot of this is is starting to show up in in other ecosystems and is something that, that people are, are, are buying into. I'm curious as, as you've kind of pulled this in and been replacing both React and sort of the approaches that React pushes you toward on the back end with Elixir, what, what other things have you replaced in your apps as you've gone along this path? Yeah, so when we do a stack where we have like Elixir Phoenix back end and React front end, mm-hmm. we also then have a GraphQL in between. Right. Um, so we use like Absinthe. And mm-hmm. so when we don't have to separate our UI and, and put it into a React app and then set up the API to communicate back and forth, then we can just eliminate a huge amount of code there with uh, defining all of the schema and all your mutations and queries and on and on. I would say that's the biggest gain is just not having to worry about making the data available to the client because Phoenix just handle or Phoenix Live View just handles that for you. Right. So then you wind up just reaching for smaller libraries like Sortable JS mm-hmm. to yep. handle the UIs as you go? Yeah, definitely. The one piece that has been a missing piece for me, I haven't discovered it yet, but we use a Material UI a lot and the Material mm-hmm. Design System. And so not having something that we can slot into its placement I'm a huge material UI person and I love the theming and the ability to, you know, use overrides and props to customize your UI components through configuration. So that's that's something that I always miss whenever we stop doing when we're not doing a React front end. You can work around it, you can sort of create your own components, but I just really miss that well thought out approach of material UI. I guess that makes sense because if you're using React, right, you can just build that into your React components and have it kind of themed across everything, right? Yeah. So you would just pull in with React, you just pull in the um, Material UI core. And then you, uh, again, this is like a configuration thing is that you just configure your theme. And then all of the components then that you import from Material UI then are using that theme. So you're not having to re implement every component or customize every time you pull in a component you just do it once through your theme ideally of course it doesn't always work out that way but Mm -hmm. that's what we strive for yeah that makes sense ruby and especially rails has been pulling in a view components library that's been gaining popularity Hmm. and so i mean it's server rendered so it would if if phoenix had something like that it would be rendered within phoenix and i'm wondering if something like that might emerge on that Yeah, maybe so i hope so yeah because I could see that happening, right? And then again, you just plug in these pieces of JavaScript where you need them. Mm-hmm. I think a colleague of mine has mentioned something like that for the Elixir side, which is like Surface, maybe? I could be misremembering that, but... Yeah, I think and Surface it's... is like, yeah, I think you're right. It's it's built on top of Live View that tries to add like more uh, 
a better better ways of like using live view <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. in a more reusable way yeah that's awesome now i want to go see see what this is but yeah, Surface is kind of cool. They try to add like a React X S kind of thing to mm-hmm. to Live View. I haven't had a need to to use it. I think it's kind of a bit overkill, and my experience with Live View was really a disaster. So like it took about thirty <laughs> seconds to render two hundred rows in a table, and so I said, forget about it. I'm not gonna work with uh, React if you can hurt yourself so badly with Phoenix already going so quickly. But yeah, I mean, you could basically write your own like components and they also have something like Storybook coming out or it's just came out. Mm-hmm. So if you're used to React, you can have something similar. So it's amazing what they're doing. I think they're really starting to push people towards that way, but not as hard as with other things. By they, I mean like Chris McCord and, and other people in the team. That's awesome. Yeah. So sort of beyond missing something like Material UI, I mean, what what other tools do you find yourself reaching for? to replace other aspects of React on the front end? You know, my day-to-day, my primary work is actually using Elixir Phoenix on the back end and still using a React front end. So mm-hmm. not a lot is coming to mind other than that because I haven't worked on Bird's Eye in so long. Oh, okay. Because I wrote this blog post in December and that was kind of when we were wrapping up that V1. Um, and so we were having a retrospective over like how the project had gone, a major part of it was doing that refactor to, to replace React with LiveView. So mm-hmm. yeah, nothing's really jumping to mind right now. Oh, it's all good. I have a I have a quick question. It's uh, probably my favorite question to ask and about anything and about any coding. How do you test your live views? And like not just like the whole integration, but especially when you get into like more complicated aspects like handle info, the asynchronous stuff, not just the event ones like how do you how do you test it (laughs) i don't have i I got my ears perked up when you said testing because on my day in my regular day-to-day work i do a lot of writing tests to test like context functions and then writing tests to test graphql mutations and queries i don't actually i haven't i wasn't part of the team team that was writing the tests for bird's eye gotcha but I, I don't know what the best approach would be that. I honestly don't have enough experience to speak to that. It is actually generally like a hard, I, f- I feel it's hard to test live view. You can just, I mean, if it's like simple handle event, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like a simple event hook, the simple hook that you define, great synchronicity. And usually people like just test the HTML and does a page contain roughly that, whatever, right? You can use a yeah. flow key or whatever. But if it's like asynchronous, that's where it's like starts getting a little tricky. And I, I, I always like listening to like uh, what people's thoughts are but yeah it's definitely I haven't heard it as it which has convinced me to <laughs> but I'm, I guess I'll just wait for the book to be released yeah it's an interesting question that you say like the asynchronous piece because when I'm testing UI I'm more often writing tests for React front end and I'm using um, Kent C. Dodd's React testing library mm-hmm. and so getting things like find a button by its label text trying to really navigate it almost like how you would if you were just writing down instructions for like a QA person. That way, you know, if your implementation changes, you're not breaking all of your tests that way. And part of that is being able to use async await. So I don't know how, I'd I'd be curious to hear how you would do that, your Elixir tests, like waiting for the UI to update and have the data that you're waiting for. Right. There is like, what I I did was Actually, it's a very good use case for uh, a library for another uh, guest we had a couple of weeks ago, Kanega. But it's just like using a behavior for your info. 
right, that you can have a default implementation for. But in your test, define an implementation that sends your current process an, an acknowledgement and just wait for the acknowledgement in the test, right? So you're just like making the handle, you just essentially testing the handle info was called, but your implementation of handle info, right? And then the implementation that's default you can test it separately. But I know it's like not like a you know complete like end-to-end -end test. And you know, I know Elixir people really like that complete testing like end-to-end. -end. So that's why I was curious. But I, this is like a compromise I came up with. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I mean I've seen people stand up the full app and run I don't know, WebDriver or Cypress or something against yeah. it. But I mean that that gets expensive. So mm -hmm. Uh, and if you have anything like single sign-on or anything like that, like your oh, Cypress yeah. setup just gets that much more complicated. Yep. It's not impossible, but there's an, a time investment to be made there. Yeah. Or you turn on some kind of workaround that you have to turn off for production. And so mm -hmm. it's only as good as that workaround is. And yeah. Yeah. So I'm a little curious then. You mentioned that you learned Elixir on the job with this job. Mm -hmm. What were you doing before and what was your experience getting into Elixir? Yeah. So what I was doing before was full stack, but with a node backend. So React on the front end node. And I want to even say like MySQL. I used to work with a, I was the only developer right out of college. And I worked with a bunch of really smart like economists. And so I was helping them make just internal tools to use when they went to be expert witnesses in court cases, like corporate court cases. And the opportunity to work for Headway came around wanted to do that because I knew there would be more learning opportunities if you're part of a core cohort, you know, mentors, et cetera. So I went to work for them. And the first project I got put on was one with a React front end. That was where I was supposed to be doing the majority of my contributions. And then this Phoenix Elixir backend. And just right off the bat, I was invited to contribute on the backend. You know, we just, you know, mentor each other, support each other to cross train mm -hmm. and it's just been a really great experience. Had a lot of great colleagues. I have a colleague, um, Tim Greenmore, who writes blog posts and does talks constantly talking about Elixir. He's a huge Elixir evangelist, especially making things like talks that are aimed at stakeholders, like or to people who want to convince their stakeholders that Elixir is the, the right tool for the job. So just that kind of culture at the company that I work for really kind of, it makes it impossible not to learn Elixir, you know, if you have any interest at all to just grow in new and it, well, new-ish and exciting technologies, new to you technologies. Nice. What's the best part of not working in Note? <clears throat> I mean, um, <laughs> working in Elixir now these days. And I just, I mean, does anyone ever say like that the best part of Elixir is not pattern matching because it has to be the best part to me. Like it's so simple, like so it's such a fundamental piece. You know, you can say all these things about latency and uptime, uptime and all that, but in terms of like dev ergonomics, like pattern matching is amazing i don't know i like that pipe operator that was pretty well that too yeah it's a tie <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna have a pipe in javascript soon apparently though so it won't be as unique they're gonna have everything you like in javascript yeah. eventually so true yeah <laughs> they're gonna have everything you don't like in javascript eventually every anyway. if they don't already have it <laughs> yeah and it's always terrific too it sounds like you landed in a great place where they're willing to mentor you in the places they need you to be and mm -hmm. I, I can't tell you how many people they wind up in a place where they they're there and they feel like they're learning and then they just wind up stuck. And mm -hmm. it sounds like you've, you've kind of hit the jackpot there. So I, and, yeah, uh, definitely. Props to the I'm, people you work with because that's hard you. to find. Thanks. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a great company. Great people. I think it's, 
doesn't do anyone a service if you like try to pigeonhole your employees, even if it might be like the most efficient way to get stuff done in the short term. Like eventually people are going to know they're not growing anymore and they're going to move on. So working somewhere where that's not the way people act is really good. (laughs) Yeah. Now, are they based in Shreveport or are you remote? No, uh, Headway is based in Green Bay, but we are remote first. And so we, there is an office in Green Bay, but there's also people just scattered around the United States and a small group of people in, in Green Bay as well. And we're also hiring if anyone, you know, we, we have developer positions, designers, products all over the place in terms of like delivering great apps and other solutions for people. So especially Elixir. Awesome. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. Actually, has there ever been, uh, I want to hear from the, the other side, right? Have you ever been working with LiveView and you're like, you know what, this is just not fun, or this is really difficult to do, and I kind of just give up on this. Like, I wish I was back in React. Things would just be much easier. I mean, you mentioned, I think you said the material UI, or I forgot the exact name. Like, is there anything else where you're just like, this is, you know, I wish this was here. Yeah. And maybe like y'all will have some ideas around this, but like, I really miss JSS. So like CSS in JS, just being able to have your, like your classes defined really close to your, your markdown, or I should say mark up. HTML markup markdown. I really miss that piece. I feel like I'm going back in time when I have to create like a style sheet <laughs> versus just having my styles right there in the, the component file. Like if I'm doing a widget in React, I'll have my widget.tsx in my TypeScript file. And in there I have my styling, I have all of my interactivity, my state management for that component. And having to like figure out, I mean, a lot of people are reaching for Tailwind. I feel like that's limited. For, in my experience, it's been limited to what you know you can do with it. You still are having to use CSS style sheets for more advanced CSS. So I, I do feel like you know you hear about pedal and that stack, and when you're reaching for things like Tailwind right off the bat, these like utility classes, it feels like the UI piece of an app is deprioritized, which is fair. Like there's no solutions, only trade-offs. Like you have to like prioritize what's important to you when you're developing an app or a project, but being a front-end developer and having all these tools that are built into JavaScript, HTML, CSS that we kind of look down our noses at, but are really powerful and can do a lot of great things out of the box. It's like, I feel like sometimes you can't, you can't exploit those in live view like you can in something like a React app. Or I haven't figured out how to do it. So you're saying the CSS next to the markup? Is that is that right? Did they understand what mm-hmm. you were talking about? Yeah, uh, they're like yeah, wrapped with, up together. Mm-hmm. I was say with Tailwind, obviously that makes it very clear because you can see all the CSS classes applied. So that is kind of how I how I usually do it. I know that definitely is helpful because you can see why is this thing so so wide or something? Oh, okay, it's because it has this you know W whatever right? It's too it's too wide for mm-hmm. me. That that. That makes sense. I don't know. I guess you're saying that that's not that's not explicit enough, or you want something more clear. Or... So, like with Tailwind, or uh, if you were to implement something like animations, like CSS animations, is that supported by Tailwind? I'm not a Tailwind expert by any means. I normally just reach for it if I need to quickly throw some 
styles. On yeah, something, they have but... some animations, but not a lot. That is something mm -hmm. that is lacking on. So I guess there's two other ways to this. One is that you can just create a custom class mm -hmm. or you can you can also extend Tailwind too. So there's a Tailwind config file. So this kind of relates to my picks coming up later on. I wanted to pick something related to Tailwind. And uh, yeah, and it's, yeah, you can just add whatever. You can also just add it to your, your CSS file, your SCSS. You can add a layer for utility and you can create your own animation. And then you would just apply that class later on or, re or unapply or whatever, whatever you want to do. Yeah, I, I do yeah. need to give I need to give Tailwind a fair shake because I use it just in simple use cases and I haven't dug into a lot of the advanced capabilities. So just because I still am doing a lot of React development day to day, but it's on my list. Okay, but that's fair. I mean, I I haven't I haven't to me I I, I don't like that because yeah, if I have to dig in and I just feel like hacky, you know. I I've always been like separate your CSS out of your HTML, so I feel strange. And then usually you end up using reusing your CSS all over the place, so. It doesn't make sense to me, at least to put it into a file. And, I think uh, the idea is that like on Re with React, if you're making reusable components and with JSS, what you do is you basically using like nested JavaScript objects, you create like, you can think of it as like a mini style sheet that's like just wrapped up there with the component itself. So if you had a few classes that are reusable in the sense that they're just used on this one component, then they sort of are exactly where they belong. So it's not like inline styles necessarily like you might be used to with React, but it still is creating classes, but it's all trade-offs. I'm not as familiar with this, which is funny because I'm the guy that's on the JavaScript podcast every week. But yeah, I know that there are, I'm assuming you have some kind of JavaScript pre preprocessor that you throw at this, right? That breaks it down into some kind of CSS and HTML. and Usually, if you have Webpack, and I'm, I've I've played enough with Phoenix to know that it has some kind of Webpack config that's built into it. You should be able to pull a plugin in that'll do it. I don't know how that plays with the views in Phoenix, and so that because they they're going to both want to control some aspect of that, right? So that that's the part that I'm not sure on. But I would assume that you should be able to build some of that in and make it work now as far as like react jss i definitely don't know mm -hmm. but it'd be interesting to see what you could make happen if you pulled in the right plugin for webpack and made it play nicely with that mm -hmm, but you're definitely. probably going to have to give over one one way or the other on the view handling in order to get what you want yeah that's that's the thing that i found at least in rails the same thing right is if, if I want the React style view handling, I have to give over to React. And yeah. if I want the Rails style, I have to give over to Rails. And if I want both, then I have to pick and choose where I want one and where I want the other. But that, yeah, then I just configure Webpack to do what I want where I want. I could get, like, I love talking about React as much as I love talking about Elixir. So I don't want to bring too much into it. But like the cool thing with Material, and I feel like you could implement something like this with um, Elixir is... Material has a, a make styles function that then returns a React hook called, that you conventionally will call use styles. And what you get back from use styles is like a little style sheet. So it is just an object that has class names that, that you can then apply to your different components and or your different elements within your React component. So that pattern, you should be able to make something similar in Elixir. You're just compiling a, that, that I guess the piece is like, how do you make 
the style sheet that you've compiled available to the app. Is there a way to dynamically add style sheets to your Phoenix apps? I don't know. You can like add like a regex to the, or do they use Webpack now? I haven't used Phoenix with views in a while, but uh, you can just add like a regex there and like generate that, generate CSS that com complies with the regex that you added to a Webpack or whatever. Yeah, definitely be a cool thing to explore. It's like a side project. Yeah, it feels like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, a lot of work when you can just make a style sheet. Like that's right. just alongside of your component if you really, if you just want to, you know, separate your styles like that, if you're used to that convention. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, we are all pretty used to having a less preprocessor or a SAS preprocessor or mm -hmm. something like that. So I don't see why if you're just generating a CSS file, why you, you couldn't use a preprocessor like this if that's the way you want to think about your styling. Yeah. All I know is, can somebody please make Webpack manageable? I don't know. Every time I touch it, I feel like <laughs> an explosion happens. I was helping somebody out yesterday and it took me a while. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Why can I not get Tailwind working? Because I was actually helping get it installed and... Then I was like, wait a minute. Okay, I looked up the error and it finds out that they're using Node 10. Now it's Node 16 is the latest one. Mm -hmm. I don't know what Node is doing, but they keep upgrading and I don't really notice a difference. But then again, I'm not really digging into it. But whatever they do, everything breaks. And I have to go back. And then also every week I get a message. GitHub has just get a uh, dependent bot. via something that's not you know good in your security issue in your, in your depths. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. This, this is horrible. Yeah. It's, I don't know what is the security problem with Node, but it's just every week is something bad. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on. Kelsey, can you give us people uh, some help in Phoenix community about why and what we can do to get up to speed with Webpack and how can we wrangle this thing? This is worse than hurting uh, cats, I feel like sometimes. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I think it's, yeah, I, I find it just as painful and I work with it every day. So. Yeah, the, the Node version thing, at least they're on a regular release schedule with it now. I mean, for all the, the weirdness there, they push a new version. I think, what is it, every six months, every year? Right. I can't remember what their cadence is, but they have a cadence. And so at least mm -hmm. you know that it's coming and it's going to be an even version and it's going to be stable. And so if you're on an old version, you know, you can just go pull the new version. And so then your issue is, is, okay, I've got a Docker container, I've got a Linux or whatever that won't pull the latest version. And so I've got to go to the Node.js page and I've got to go copy and paste their thing that goes and updates my registry so that it'll pull the latest thing. But other than that, then you're good to go. And yeah, beyond that, then it works. Then you just have to go find the right plugins and hope NPM has the right documentation on it. Mm -hmm. Because the biggest issue is just, you know, you, you just upgrade because it says, you know, Homebrew says it can upgrade. Okay, upgrade it. And then everything's busted. And then a lot of people haven't upgraded their <laughs> plugins. And then that's kind of where the mess begins. Yeah. Or they abandoned yep. it, right? Yeah. Sorry for lame. I'm still ranting about this from yesterday. My blood's getting higher. I got to quit drinking coffee this early. <laughs> it's true, though, right? Especially if it's a new version of Node or a new version of Webpack, right? You have to roll one back or the other back. and figure out what went wrong but, yeah, yeah getting the um it, it's always painful when it's like a matter of like you're successful if you are the most familiar with the process versus just like you're successful if you can like when you need to do it like read the docs mm -hmm. if there's a bunch of additional 
experience that you need to have to know like, okay. And then when you run into the issue, this issue, this is what you do. I, one tip yeah. I have is like, also if you, a project has been sitting around and you keep trying to use the same like ecto function oh, and it's just not working, like check the version in your project. <laughs> Cause that's also, maybe, maybe it's not you, maybe the version that you have of ecto doesn't have that function yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't tell you how many times I've run into that with any number of languages, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Or but, that when you Googled the documentation, it brought you the right version. Oh, I know, right? I, I just want to... Mm-hmm. I would love to have a project out there that, yeah, it's... Okay, I need help with this error or this problem, right? And just have like a browser plugin that says, oh, this Stack Overflow question... It only works for this version, you know, this version set, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I would pay for that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, one thing that I've noticed, I mentioned we're hiring at Headway. And one thing I've noticed is a lot of people are including more and more like their Stack Overflow profiles Mm -hmm. on their, on their resume or cover letter or whatever. And that is, it does make a lot of sense if you write good answers, because that's what like, if your colleagues think of you as like a walking, talking Stack Overflow, like that's pretty great. Yeah, just while you guys were ranting about front end, that's why I don't do front end anymore. Yeah. Webpack is a huge reason for that. I'm not a walking, talking Stack Overflow. I'm just the guy that goes through the the mess first, so I know all the things. I I learn this stuff just like I learn how to bowl. I just keep hitting gutter balls until finally hit a strike. Oh, yeah. It's uh, yeah. it's yeah. Then everybody around me is like, "Wow, you're so good at this." I said, "You have no idea how many." hours in the week and I just spent trying to figure this thing out. That's why I can help you out very quickly. Oh yeah, definitely. It's like, I, I only know this because I made the same like mistake or got stuck the same way before you. It's just a matter of timing. Yep. All right. Well, I have a ninth grade graduation I have to get to. So I'm going to start heading this toward wrapping up. It's nice to know though, that these issues aren't unique to me. I'm not uniquely <laughs> challenged in these areas. So this is this has definitely been fun though. Kelsey, if people want to connect with you online, where do they find you? Yeah, they can connect with me on Twitter. My handle's just Kelsey Leftwich. Um, also all of my talks and blog posts that I've done so far are on the Headway website. That's headway.io slash blog. Awesome. And if people want to check out Headway, you said they're yeah, hiring. How do they do that? Yeah, headway.io. It might be slash careers, but if you go to headway.io, you can definitely find the listings there. Also, they're on Twitter. A bunch of us are on Twitter. Uh, DMs are open. So we're always, if you're curious, we're ready to talk. Awesome. Sounds good. All right, let's do some picks. Hey, folks. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there. And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit. And you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev. Alan, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, I just have one pick. 
I mentioned it, I hinted at earlier, which was the live view book from Prague Prague. And I'm so happy I went through it. I think about 90% I already kind of knew, but then I found out towards the end actually how to actually extend live view or sorry, tailwind with uh, how to create your own classes because every time, you know, every company has their own brand colors, right? So how to actually add your own colors. So now you get the BG, whatever, and you get the colors uh, that you want. How to actually add a prefix to it. So if I want to start mixing Tailwind with other other frameworks, I can. Uh, just There's just so many great hints in there and so many extra classes I had no idea about. So I think it's a fantastic book. But in the end, of course, nothing ever beats the documentation for Tailwind CSS itself. So that's my, my pick for this week. Awesome. Audie. What are your picks? Alan stole my pick. Phoenix Live View is a great book. Uh, yeah, but I can, I can come up with one. So there, I know Grox IO has a very good Live View course if you're like a video guy. It's by uh, Bruce Tate, one of the authors mm-hmm. of the Live View book. And a really cool thing I learned last week, a book, Elixir book geared towards people with little to no uh, programming experience. Uh, it's free. It's called Joy of Elixir. It's free if you read it online. So a uh, few uh, people are contributing to that. So it's definitely worth checking out. Nice. I'm going to throw out a few picks. One of the picks I have is just a shout out for having workout partners. So what uh, I have a three-year plan uh, that I'm working on through 2023. So you can guess about how far into it I am through the end of 2023. So yeah, I'm about five months in. One of the things on it is to complete an Ironman. And yeah, this sounds nuts, right? I'm going to be running my second marathon in about two weeks. And anyway, I was talking to my bishop, actually, uh, who's kind of like a pastor. I'm uh, LDS. And he mentioned that one of the the other neighbors and actually a couple of the neighbors were all getting together to to pre- train for triathlons, right? And so, you know, I was like, I'm... I'm kind of interested in this, right? And so all of a sudden I have workout buddies, right? And so uh, anyway, it's it's really nice, right? So I, I texted the guy that was kind of pulling it all together and he's like, oh, you're interested? And I'm like, oh yeah. And so uh, I signed up for the swim team that they're on and gearing up to go biking and running with them. He, uh, he actually texted me today. I couldn't go because I didn't have anywhere to stash a five-year-old for an hour. But yeah, so... Just a big deal for that. If you're looking to uh, work out, it really helps to have people to go with. Also, the other part of that is, is I've been thinking about how to figure that part of things out. And I found that when I'm really thinking about things and trying to figure some of this stuff out, a lot of this stuff kind of just happens. Sometimes it's because I'm talking to the right people about it and they mention it. And sometimes it just kind of comes out of the blue like this. And so set a goal. Think about it consider it, pray about it. I mean, however you work through that with your process and you'll find that a lot of this stuff just kind of comes your way. So I'm going to shout out about that. And then the other thing that I'm going to shout out about is I'm really getting into the process of just setting aside time to work. And we're probably going to have a bonus episode about it at some point because the guy that runs this is a good friend of mine, but it's focusblocks.io. And we've had on some of the other shows, a guy from software.com, kind of measures productivity and stuff for developers. But focusblocks.io, what it is, is, uh, and it's a paid subscription, but what you do is you schedule time on your calendar and then you show up on a Zoom call and they just kind of, you tell everybody what you're going to work on for the hour. And then they remind you to go set your phone somewhere not in the room with you, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have the rest of the hour 
to work on whatever it is. And then afterward you do some stretching and stuff. And then you, you know, you can schedule two or three or four of these at a time, right? Some of my focus blocks, I'm going to have my phone in the room because I'm going to be doing sales calls and stuff for sponsorships and things like that. But anyway, I'm really digging it. I actually have a referral code for that. And so if you go to devchat.tv slash focus, you can pick up the, the deal there. I'm trying to talk Manny into actually giving people a discount if, uh, if you check that out. But anyway, it's, it's a pretty cool program. And you can schedule as many blocks as you want. So if you have the subscription, so definitely check that out. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So focus blocks and having workout buddies are my picks. Kelsey, you have some stuff you want to shout out about on the show? I don't, I didn't come prepared with a pick, but I'm wondering if I can do a reverse pick and describe what I'm looking for. And y'all can let me know if you know of something. Do it. it. We've never had anyone do this before. This is cool. (laughs) Yeah, I just thought of it. So Adi and Alan know everything. So (laughs) we do a lot of, like I said, Elixir development and we're looking for either an individual or an organization where we can sort of kickstart cross-training with uh, developers who aren't Elixir developers, but are interested in getting into it. So either like maybe a weekend workshop or even like a month long curriculum or something that they can do asynchronously, but basically just like getting connected with an expert who's outside of our organization who can be dedicated to um, skilling up people sort of quickly. Y'all aware of anything like that? I know there's something called learning elixir or learn elixir or dev something like that. They have a they they seem to have like a lot of courses and like in, interactive like which include like interactive sessions. I don't really know who anyone who used it. And to be honest, uh, Alan, if you have an answer to this or anyone more, uh, listening has an answer to this, uh, let us know because my company is looking for that as well. <laughs> it's an opportunity there for any entrepreneurs. So you're looking for a curriculum to help people to learn Elixir asynchronously, right? Well, with a expert involved. So maybe somebody that they can, you know, have regular meetings with. If it's not like just a workshop over a few days, if it's going to be something more drawn out, like dedicated time meetups or whatever, getting feedback so they can do. I may be able to. I may be able to actually help you on that because I actually have some experience with this in Rails. So I know how another company does something similar where mm-hmm. they had a curriculum and then they had dedicated time where you could ping an expert and say, hey, I'm stuck on this part of the curriculum. Can you help me out? And I think that works best, right? Because you can mm-hmm. you can chug for most of it. Once you hit a part where you get stuck, a bumpy road, then you can say, hey, help me out with this. Yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe you can connect with me after the show. Maybe I might be able to help you out. Because actually, I was working on a bunch of curriculum for teaching people out here, but just kind of get stuck. So, awesome. yeah, I also know uh, Bruce Tate and Mike Clark, uh, Bruce from Broxio and Mike from Pragmatic, Pragmatic Studio. Studio. Yeah. And I know that they do the courses, but I also know Bruce in particular has gone and done in-person and remote training. So I wouldn't be shocked if they have some kind of arrangement that either or both of them could do but i don't know what their programs look like so you'd have to actually talk to them and see what they offer yeah definitely i'm gonna do that the other thing you need to know is like what is the audience like are they coming in with some programming background or are they Mm -hmm. completely new then it's two different methods you gotta take them from zero right if they're on the ladder yep yeah definitely all right well this was fun this was a lot of fun yeah yeah thanks for having me y'all thanks for coming all right well i i think we're gonna wrap it up here And until next time, folks, Max out. 
Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.